I hope I can steal a little summoning from you, Dave. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch. Swing and a long drive. Deep left The flags go up, churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Few burning fast on an empty. Welcome once again to Stats on Deck. We're finally back, and I'm Nick Laporte, and I'm joined by Jake Adams. And before we get started, we're going to do some all-star picks for baseball, um, potentially get to some more topics down the road, but... The first thing we want to do is extend our best wishes to David Ortiz and his family. The former Red Sox DH and three-time World Series champion was shot in the Dominican Republic last weekend, and he's currently in Boston recovering right now. Luckily for all of us, he's expected to make a full recovery. Big Poppy is one of the all-time great players in baseball, and he's truly one of the game's great people. So we want to dedicate this podcast to Big Poppy. We love you, and we can't wait to see you back on your feet. We love you, Big Poppy, and it's it's been incredible to see all of the outpouring love and support uh, over social media and uh, by the Red Sox and all of baseball. And uh, I think we just want to say it's stats on deck. It's it's important to see that when somebody who is done right by a lot of people has yeah. given so much of himself uh, to see the love and support that he's been given. Uh, I think it shows that you know what you put in is what you get back. Absolutely. And the it's you know it's our it's our turn uh, to give the love and best wishes back to David Ortiz and his family. So, so speaking of David Ortiz, that's one of the game's great all stars. Yeah, let's make some all star picks. Absolutely. Um, we're gonna start in the National League, and let's just start right off the bat, as they say, with first base. Um, I narrowed my list down to a couple guys. Uh, I had to leave Max Muncie out, and I didn't feel good about it. But I, I, I did it. So you have to, you know, you have to, to accept sometimes that you might be making a tough decision. And the guy I went with was Josh Bell of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, Josh Bell, this is actually just off topic slightly. Uh, my old roommate, Chad, this was like his favorite player for some reason. <laughs> he has no connection to the Pirates or Josh Bell. He would just watch games and like Josh Bell. So that definitely weighed into the decision a little bit. <laughs> Josh, uh, uh, Chad, you called it. Yeah, you Chad, if this. you're listening out there, this one's for you. Um, but yeah, jo- so the the way it works in the Winslow replacement, the three guys, Muncie, Freeman, and Bell are all pretty much equal. And sometimes I like to go with, as a tiebreaker, who is the best offensive guy? Because when we're looking at All-Stars, that's all anyone cares about. <laughs> but when we get to Gary Sanchez later, that's not what we care about. No. Um, spoiler alert. So I went with Josh Bell. Uh, best WRC plus, 169. It's pretty incredible yeah. for a guy his age. And really breaking out onto the scene this year. He Most homers out of the three guys. Most RBIs. Um, yeah, just really impressed with what Josh Bell has done. What, what about you? So I, I also went with Josh Bell. I think seeing him be on... Uh, a younger Pittsburgh Pirates team yeah. that's still trying to grow into themselves. Seeing when you when you have those younger teams having guys emerge a little bit quicker, mature a little bit faster. Yeah, I mean Josh Bell has been a spectacle to watch. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. 
he's, I mean, 19. He, he, sh- he showed all-star potential in the past. He has, but not consistently. But not consistently. Finally, we're getting some consistency from him, and that's good to see. I mean, he has 61 RBIs through 66 yeah, games. We're not, we're not that deep into the season. No, he, he has played 61. 66 games, he has 61 RBIs. On a team, by the way, that yeah. doesn't, I mean, they're fine, but they don't score a bunch of yeah. runs. I mean, he is driving in guys 19 home runs. I mean, he's he's... You know, got a twenty percent strikeout percentage, which is a little, which is a little high, but yeah. it's what you'd expect from a younger player. Yeah, but I mean, I mean it's he, definitely not as bad as Muncie either. No in the strikeout range, but three twenty five. Eventually, he's going to learn to walk and raise yeah. his OBP a little bit higher. And from, honestly, seventy points higher is not bad. No, it's not. No. It's not what you want, but it's not bad. Right, and it's just it's he's been the a big bright spot in on that Pittsburgh Pirates oh, yeah, team, absolutely. and he one hundred percent deserves. I mean, we finally saw McCutcheon leave last year. Yep. And um, it's kind of the changing of the guard. Mm-hmm. I think we all thought it was going to be Starling Marte for a while. Not to discredit him as a player, uh, more so as a person. We're going to discredit him. Yeah. But um, it looks like Josh Bell is going to be the guy that steps up and carries that team into the foreseeable future. What's going to be interesting, and this will this is more important than an all-star selection, is if he's going to be able to you know put it through an entire year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is he, is he going to drop off in the second half, or yeah. is he going to keep this going? Yeah, and one concerning thing, uh, you'll hear me say this about every single player all the time, the batting average on balls in play at 360, that's coming down. That, so, yes. Josh, uh, I hope... I hope you have ways to work yourself around that. Um, having said that, congratulations to Josh Bell. You are our consensus first baseman in the NL. Now let's move on to second base. Kind of a weaker position uh, in years past and certainly this year. Um, we're looking at a couple of guys, and I tried to narrow down the list as much as I could, and I think there's no question, with no disrespect to the Aussie Albies and Colton Wongs of the world, it's Moustakis or Marte. And I went with Mike Moustakis of the Brewers. Um, and again, my tiebreaker was offense. And I feel like uh, any way you slice it, he's been a better offensive player than Ketel Marte. Having said that, uh, I can see arguments for both sides. So I, I went Ketel Marte yeah. for second base. And it, it's between him and Mike Moustakis, in my opinion. I'm. The thing that stood out to me, I mean, there's a little bit, there's a little less power for less home runs, yeah. but when you watch Marte play on a Diamondbacks team that really wasn't supposed to be competitive this right. year, playing five hundred, a little bit over 500 baseball, he's yeah. one of the main reasons why. Absolutely. And he's a bright spot on that team. The thing, the thing that made the decision for me is that he strikes out a little bit less. He has, you know, two more RBIs, but yeah. just the, the average, all of those kind of things, he's kind of carried that team after yeah. Paul Goldschmidt is left in the middle of that lineup. He gets on base. He's he's quick. He kind of has all the tools. Yeah. And and second base is his natural position. So that was right. one of the things that kind of led me to it. Right. Yeah. Moustakis is more of a natural third baseman but playing second base by necessity and honestly not doing a bad job. No. It's, one of the incredible things, and we talked about it in our preseason, was that how is Mike Moustakis going to do as a second yes. base? He doesn't, he's not a second base. Right. But he is – you know, for all of that it's worth, he's put it to work in and he has made the transition pretty much seamlessly. Yeah. I mean, you haven't heard any problems about, you know, the Brewers infield, right. middle and, infield. Uh, the numbers bear that out as well. Um, I think that's pretty impressive, honestly. Um, I mean, we'll talk about this, you know, until our eyes turn blue or whatever the expression is. But 
uh, defensive metrics being unreliable for only a season's worth of data. Mm-hmm. Having said that, for Moustakas to be positive defensively on Fangraphs, I think is a is a win for him and a win for the position. Having said that, uh, we have our first disagreement here. I went with <laughs> Moustakas, Jake went with Marte. This is about as close as it's going to get in any position. I right. mean, these guys are a, a, a dead heat even, so... Um, I would expect as long to, as you're not a Braves fan, I think you can agree with us. Right, and I'd expect, regardless of how voting shakes out, I expect both of them to be in in Cleveland. They should, they should be. Yeah, if, if there was any uh, fairness, if there's in the any world. justice. Um, speaking of fairness in the world, uh, we're gonna go right to third base. Yep, because that's a natural transition, and um, this is finally the year. If you've listened to stats on deck, you know we have a team named after him. Uh, the player we're going to tell you in just a second. Um, <laughs> this guy has been an all-star yep. caliber player for five of the first six years of his career coming into this year, and he's never made it. Oh, he's and, never made an all-star. And le- less deserving players have made it above him, and uh, we simply won't stand for that injustice any longer. No, we will so not. So now to reveal the name, with no disrespect intended to the $40 million a year man, Nolan Arenado, Anthony Rendon of the Washington Nationals is your third baseman for the All-Star team. And if you disagree, honestly, I understand. Arenado's been great, too. But Rendon should have the advantage this year. I think this is the first year in his career where he's been the clear-cut best third baseman in his league at the time of the All-Star game. For me, there cannot be a final vote this year. Right. There cannot. This cannot be left up right. to... You know, baseball fans across America. No, trust me. We'll get it be, wrong. You get it wrong. I understand. Nolan Arenado. Yeah, you like him. He makes the flashy plays at third base. Absolutely. He he does commercials. I get all of it. Okay. The point of it is that you're trying to select when going into a deep dive, yes. right? For the All Star pedigree. Yes. Is who is the best player, the most consistent player yes. at their position. This year, it's Anthony Rendon, yes. and he's played 13 less games than Nolan Arenado. Right. And one thing I think I'm a little surprised by, um, now, the defense has always been even. They've both been the two best defenders at third base. Right. And uh, the the factor that separated them was Arenado's power. He was he was more apt to hit extra base hits. And he that plays. was that. Well, he plays in course, so we have to knock him a little <laughs> for that, but... Um, this this year, Anthony Rendon, better slugging percentage by 50 points. WRC plus 30 points higher. Almost 40, actually. Um, the average slightly less, which, you know, both neither of them are hitting way into good luck. So we'll give them a pass on that one. But that that's where I go with Rendon. Um, three homers behind, sure. that I see that argument. If, if all you care about is home runs, then Arenado's your guy. But if you care about having the best player at that position, it's Rendon. If he had, you can't do this, but if he had played those 13 games, right. when you go look up any of the simple statistics like average or, or home runs, RBIs, and things like that, it wouldn't be close right, right. now. And right, and, and they're, they're locked even 3.1 wins above replacement. Right. And 
we know when you're within a half a win or a win, it's hard to just you know figure out which player was actually better. But having said that, with them locked up even, you go to the secondary numbers, and I think the secondary numbers right. favor Rendon almost unanimously. His WRC plus is 173 right, right. now. Right, and that's not a joke. That's a real number. <laughs> that's a real statistic. Um, and Aaron Otto is 136. That's nothing to laugh at. That's really no, good. It is. That's all-star worthy, but... It's Rendon. It's Rendon. It's Rendon. That's true. So, um... No one Arenado will be there. No, and I'm perfectly happy if Arenado's voted in and then Rendon gets in right behind him. That's fine. Because you know what? Anthony Rendon's not the most popular player because he hates talking to the media and he's playing on a team that isn't really media-friendly compared to the Rockies. Having said that, if Rendon doesn't make it this year, then we know the team is a joke. Right. Once and for all. Let's move on to, um... This was a begrudging pick for both of us, I think, in, at shortstop. Um, I went with Javi Baez, and I was not happy about it because I don't like players that play the way Javi Baez does. I'm not questioning his effort or the makeup of his character. I think he seems like a good guy who wants to win and plays the game hard. I don't question any of that. What I do question is the 30.4 strikeout percentage. Thank you. That is disgusting. I hate looking at that. But you may say, well, he might be a three true outcomes guy, right? He walks, strikes out, and hits homers. No, he doesn't walk. No. He's at less than 6% of the time is Javi taking a walk. It's disgusting to look at. Javi Baez, regardless of his passion for the game, which nobody is questioning, he, he loves to play baseball. Yeah. He gives 100 And he is a good player. He is a good player. The problem is, is that... Everything that Javi Baez embodies in a baseball player, in in terms of how he goes about right. his at bats and how he plays, especially on an offensive standpoint, is really, really, really hard to tolerate. Yes, because you're talking about a guy that, like, when he comes up to the plate, yeah, it's not grounding out, right. it's not popping out. We're not talking about just getting out. Yeah, we're talking about striking out. 30% of the time he steps into the box. Which is unbelievable. That's, that shouldn't be real. That I mean, you're taking away potential hits there at a certain point. And well, that's not more, to mention hitting into great luck this year. Hitting into great luck this year. And, and you can make what you want of that. But the idea that the, the things that are hard is that, yeah, Javi Baez, 17 home runs. That's yeah. all good and dandy. What happens when you're in a two-run game in the bottom of the eighth inning with nobody out and Javi Baez has runners on first and second and literally is incapable of moving a runner? He will not move the runner. And as a Cubs fan, right there, you're hoping he hits a three-run homer. That's your hope. Because he's not very likely to move two guys up or even one guy up. Right, it's... It's the type of at bats that he has are great when he's on. You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's awesome. You know, he gets he hits the also, home yeah, runs. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. He's a streaky hitter. He's a streaky hitter. But the thing that's really hard, and this is a thing that doesn't get a lot of attention, is that when you're trying to you know get into the intricacies of baseball and having productive yeah. innings, when you're trying to move crooked runners up, he's not a guy that you want up in the plate with a runner in scoring position and two outs. He's not right. And and that's something that you that gets lost in translation. And and. In all seriousness, especially since Corey Seager, you know, being injured and and hasn't been as prominent in the shortstop position, sure. it's been more of a weaker position. Right. Trey and Turner, Trey got Turner hurt. was hurt. Trevor Story kind of uh, slowing down a little bit this year. The offensive numbers, even at Coors Field, aren't uh, where we saw him last year. So uh, that's not to mention, though, 
this was a, a tough call because Paul DeYoung of the Cardinals is right there with him. It, it is not a runaway for Javi. No. He just, his numbers as of today probably bear out that he should be the starter for the All-Star team. The the one thing I do want to mention just in this uh, shortstop AL, uh, NL voting, um, there's a guy right now who's ninth in wins above replacement yeah. and ninth on fan graphs at the shortstop position. Yeah. Making how much money? Um, three hundred and three hundred million. It's three hundred million over ten years. He plays for the Padres. I, you might know who. Uh, now, to be fair, uh, he's been playing a lot of third base because his teammate Fernando Tatis Jr. has taken over that shortstop role. And and um, I want to give this player that we're talking about a little bit of credit for not throwing a big fit about moving over to third base where he belongs. Um, having said that, if you couldn't figure it out, it's Manny Machado, one of Stats on Deck's least favorite players in baseball. Um, yeah, for Manny, uh, I, and we'll, I think we may get to this, we may not, but something we've been talking about these past couple months is uh, Bryce Harper having struggles in Philly, not, uh, not quite reaching the level I think we all expected him to in that first year of the contract. Um, very similar thing happening with Machado not quite living up to the uh living up to the contract that we thought um it's and with Machado it's not easily explainable there's not one thing sticking out where it's like oh he's he's playing hurt or he's hitting into horrible luck or his power numbers haven't translated into that ballpark it's it's just it's kind of a head scratcher and um I don't want to say this but I'm going to say it it might be that position that situation where a guy gets tries really hard, gets the contract, and then the effort level doesn't ever reach that until the next contract. There were factors that you saw in the way that he played in the in the statistics that were behind Manny Machado playing on the Orioles. Classic example of uh, good stats, bad team. Right. Right. But we've said this on podcasts before, and this is not to this is not just of a disdain towards him. Right. This is this is proof that. In a given year with a guy who has all the talent in the world, has empty numbers. Right. Right? Where, you know, it's a lot of hits with two outs. Yeah. Or it's a lot of solo home runs. Sure. You know, not a lot of hitting with runners in scoring position. And what you have with Manny Machado, right, is finally one of the first years where everything that you and I have pointed yeah. out before when, you know, Manny has 32 home runs in a year and 100 RBIs. It's us pointing to these facts that, you know, his WRC plus right now is 95, which means below average, which means that you could just stick a regular third baseman or shortstop right. and it would be better than what you're getting right exactly. now. Exactly. So exactly. That's I, a good point. I saw his name. I'm sorry. That's my rant. I needed to just say that for me. <laughs> That's a good point, though. Um, sorry, Manny. You didn't make the cut. And uh, I think you know you didn't make the $300 cut. $300 million. Um, so wow. uh, we both went with Javi Baez. Yep. Um, Paul DeYoung's right there. Mm-hmm. There are a couple other good contenders, but uh, as of right now, we're going with Javi. Now we're going to go to the outfield. Now the way um, the way I went about my list, and I think you did as well, is uh, trying to stick to positions. Yes. Because if you're just going to pick the three best outfielders, yeah, I get it. That's a popular way to do it, but this gives you a little bit more, makes it easier to narrow it down and try to figure out who actually is the best at each position. Um so for my guy in left field, I went with Jock Peterson of the Dodgers. Peterson has a lot of the same problems we were talking about with Javi Baez, mm-hmm. uh, very similar hitters. Having said that, 
Jock is having a breakout year offensively yep. uh, as a full-time starter. Uh, there's been times in the past where he was more of a fourth outfielder or even uh, even not getting playing time because they've been such a loaded team. But this year they've had to rely on him, and the numbers bear out him being a good player. I mean, 143, 143 WRC+, plus. say that five times fast, 18 home <laughs> runs. Um one thing I don't like, though, and I'm not a big RBI guy, you, you're you usually looking for three, three and a half times the RBIs versus the home runs. 18 homers, 33 RBIs. That is not a good thing in any way. Well, it says it says what? It's like when guys are on base, yeah. if the ball's not leaving the yard, right. he's probably not scoring. Right, and I mean... The slugging's great. The on-base percentage, 100 points higher than the average. I like that. Um, I just, uh, that's not enough guys driven in for a first-place team, especially. No, it's And not. we can blame Cody Bellinger because he's eating up the RBIs. And he's, you know, kind of being a little bit of a ball hog if you can't have one in, <laughs> in baseball. But, uh, yeah, I went with Jock. Uh, how'd you go? Uh, I went Charlie Blackman. Okay. Now, this seems kind of like a, a generic pick in, in some sense. In a lot of ways, it is. Because, like we said, we're sticking to the actual positions yeah. that you play. I know he's played some right field this year, too. But the thing that I the thing that I thought about is Charlie Blackman is, for all intents and purposes, it really is a superior defensive player. Of course, yeah. And, and that stuff actually matters to me. It might not matter in the All-Star game, right. but it matters in terms of a selection process. That's yeah. a guy that prides himself on... Being a true outfielder yeah. with an arm, with range, and able, and able to track balls down. Yeah. It's rare that you find a guy that has had a career, especially in the center field position, not named Mike Trout. Right. Right, that's been around for uh, how long? Eight years. Yeah. And has been able to not let his defense slip or his offense slip right. in any given year. It's yeah. consistency every year. And he, for me, he gets rewarded. The... The 10 home runs is fine. You play in Colorado, 305 batting average. I know there's a slight increase because of yeah. the ballpark you play in. But for me, this is just kind of like an old reliable pick because I, I'm not going to go with, you know, Jock Peterson right. just because of personal biases yeah. or whatever you want. No, I understand that. But for me, it's it's when I think of center fielders who – good outfielders that play, you know, that play – his position yeah. and bat well at the top of a lineup and are producing every year. There's no drop off in the second half. Yeah. That's the guys I think of. That's an all star. No, so I, I feel you. It's kind of just like a. It's a little bit of a boring, but it's more of just like an old reliable. Like yeah. that's who I go to. My other pick would have been. He's not having the same year. He started out hot. Would have been like a Lorenzo Cain type. Yeah, and that's kind of what I put him in the same place with. It's just when he comes up to the plate, you know you're gonna get a good yeah. bat. You know he's gonna play. You know he's gonna make the right decisions, move runners over, and he plays right. It's not flashy. Yeah, true. It's not. It's not crazy. Well, but it's, speaking of Kane, um, last year was his year. Really, it, it was. Um, and that's no disrespect to his performance this year, but um, yeah, no, I see where you're coming from. Um, so yeah, I had Jock in left. I had Acuna in center field. Okay, and I'll explain that. Um, Ender and Ciarte went down with injury, so mm-hmm. Acuna's been playing center field more. So he's split time at position. So I understand if um, if you wanted to have him as a left fielder, I totally get that. I had him in center field just because the, the field is a little weak this year. Mm-hmm. And um, he's been great. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. And that's coming from a Nationals fan. He's been great. Um, 
Looking at his numbers, 15 homers, 45 RBIs. I like that. Mm -hmm. Driving in guys, actually. Mm -hmm. Walk percentage is fine. Strikes out a lot, but, you know, he's a young player. You'll expect that. Um, Yeah, that's the the way I went with him. The the two core outfielders I have, obviously, on either side of Blackman, who I'd have in center field, would be Bellinger and Yelich, obviously. I mean... That's the fair way to do it. Those don't need any explanation no really and, i mean it's yeah it's let's the just two, let's run through that it's um, the two best players yeah. in, in the it, national it, you have to have yelich and bellinger on your team yes any way you do it they have to be starters the yes. way i did it i had yelich and right bellinger at dh and the reason i did that not to disrespect cody but my my uh tiebreaker here was defense sure and yelich is just Point blank, a better right fielder than Cody Bellinger. No question. So I I put Yelich there, and then I thought Cody Bellinger, he's been the best hitter. Why not give him the position that's literally a hitter? I I agree with you. It's it's a it's a fair comparison. the 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 way I went with DH though is because I'm giving third base to Rendon. Yeah. I feel like it's only fair. Like I mean, no one yeah. or not is going to start on Absolutely, an All Star team. Yeah. So the way I did is I segued him into the DH spot. Yeah, I and, I see that. It, but you could go Bellinger honestly for. For the way that I thought about it was I want Anthony Rendon starting yeah. this All-Star game because I think that he deserves it. He and sure does. Nolan Arenado is not an outfielder. I sure. don't doubt that he could figure it out. I think he could play a good right field. But but he, but he I have Bellinger because he's actually been doing yeah. it. So that's the way that I, I feel about that. it. What did you do for catcher? Uh, for catcher, and this was a surprise for me mm-hmm. because I think when this season started, it was easy to just pencil in JT Real Muto. Because he's, he's been the best offensive catcher for the last couple of years and sure. uh, he's a good defender so it was it was like yeah that's the guy but um how about taking a flyer on a guy working out for milwaukee y'all's money y'all's money baby for the brewers yes leads nl catchers and wins above replacement he's been the best offensive catcher by a wide margin yep and uh i mean 15 home runs 37 rbis he walks doesn't strike out too much, hitting two eighty three. He's checking all the boxes. And, you know, Yaz Money has been a, a good player in the past. He's a streaky guy. And right now, certainly, this has been a, a good streak for him to start the year. But no question. That's, that's the way I went with it. I went with Grandal over Real Muto, purely based on the fact that JT has not really given me the offense that I was expecting from him. Sure. I, I agree with those points. The thing that I went to is I, I did go JT. And the reason I did is kind of the same thing as I went with like Blackman or these other guys. Is yeah. It's not necessarily the flashy, the yeah. flashier pick or the best year pick. It's kind of who do I have? And it's not all statistically based in this pick. It's who who do I have as a guy that plays his position well right. and hits. And yeah. to be honest with you, the other factor that plays into it is one of the things that we talk about with certain players is like, when they play our teams, yeah. like who are we scared of? Right. Oh, absolutely. Right. JT Real Muto for the like the four times in the National League that he plays the Red Sox yeah. in like a four year span, he murders my team. Exactly. And I am yeah. terrified to see him in the batter's <laughs> box. So that's not statistics based, but it's JT Real Muto for me because it's you know no, great it's a catcher. Good it's offensively a good talented and he's just he's yeah, reliable. This is no disrespect to Wilson Contreras, but um, it's Grandal or Real Muto. You can make That's an argument serious. for either. You can't make an argument for Contreras, even if you're a Cubs fan. I agree. So stop trying to make that argument, Cubs fans. Also, stop pimping walks. Stop pimping walks. And, um, hey, listen, I doubt if you are one of the people I'm going to mention that you're listening to this, 
but stop voting for your own team's players if they suck. That's a disservice to baseball. Nobody wants to see Ozzie Albies as the starting second baseman. He has not been the best second baseman. So if you're a Braves fan out there, a Cubs fan, Rockies, these guys, these fans that come out in droves and vote for your own team, stop doing that. Vote for the correct number of players. Now, having said that, um, <laughs> Dude, well, just to, just to say, it's like the Kansas City massacre again, yeah, right? And, and it's like it's we, like we the see Chicago it every year. We see every, it every single year. year. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's good that you know you're out there voting. Just vote for the right people. Um, Would stats on deck take away the fan vote if given the 100%. opportunity? percent. You're damn Fans right. Fans are we stupid. We are. We're dumb. So are players. But and honestly, so are journalists at times. So really, what we need to do is just let Fangraphs pick it. Just let Fangraphs pick it. That's easy enough. Honestly, Fangraphs, we should get sponsored by Fangraphs. They, the, we, we plug there's got to be a way to work it out. <laughs> we plug them um, hard. If you haven't do. been to Fangraphs, stop going to Baseball <laughs> Reference. It's not an accurate site, so don't go there. They make up um, things. And um, Yeah, so uh, <laughs> to finish off the NL, we're going to go through some pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked a full rotation of five. Scherzer, Strasburg, both from the Nationals. Ryu from the Dodgers, yep. DeGrom from the Mets, yep. and uh, Herman Marquez, I like saying that I name, like Herman. From the Rockies. Yep. Which also, I just want to say it's pretty impressive that a Rocky is in contention to be one of the best pitchers in the league, mm-hmm. how far we've come. Um, <laughs> now, Max Scherzer, he's been the best guy far and away. If you don't agree, you're wrong. Yep. Um, he has like a 4-5 and five record, I think we saw. He should be like 10-0. No, you're on like 14 and 13 and one. So, um, Max Scherzer has been the best pitcher. That's the way, that's the way it is. How about you? How'd your rotation look? The only switch I had from you would be, um, Herman Marquez, um, for Kyle Hendricks. I'm not a big Kyle Hendricks guy, right. but if you have the ability to throw an 85 mile an hour fastball yeah. and win baseball games, I think impressive. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Personally, I don't, I always gravitate more towards the strikeout guys sure. just because I feel like that's a a skill that translates not just over a year but over a career. Whereas we've seen with guys like Hendricks, the guys who throw that sinker, mm-hmm. it's very streaky. It can't be and you're on going, and off. You're going to run into bats at times. You're but right. I, I, I understand that pick. That, that it, and he's had a great year. Mm-hmm. And we thought his best year was behind him. Maybe not. Nope. So that's good for you, Kyle Hendricks. If you're listening, oh, we appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate we it. We do appreciate <laughs> it. Um, for relief pitchers, I picked two guys – Kirby Yates of the Padres yep. and Josh Hader of the Brewers. I was right there with um, you. Those guys have been amazing. Um, anything anything to add about relief? I, I did a third one. I just did Doolittle because for all of the problems and the woes that the Nationals bullpen has right. had for the first two months of the season, um, they've started to figure out a little bit more. True. Um, Sean Doolittle basically came into an impossible situation where he had no idea the situation that yeah. he was going to be walking into every night. And he has for all intents and purposes, flourish in a really, really hard situation. Yeah. And he has come into games in the eighth inning to get six outs. He's come in with the bases loaded in the ninth inning. I mean, right. he's, oh, he's yeah. come he's, into... He's had a really, not just a big workload, but a tough workload. A tough workload. And he's come into games, he's he's come in, you know, pitched four out of five nights. He's yeah. come into games where he didn't even know if he needed to get up in the bullpen until, what, a, a pitcher walked the bases loaded. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, he is, for the numbers that he's been able to put up in the type of stressful situations that he's had this year, yeah. that, that, was a, that was a key for me. Yeah, so. no, I, 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 I appreciate that, and I definitely agree. He's worthy of consideration. Sure. He, he's had an all-star caliber first half. So we are going to uh, take a quick break. 
And when we come back, we're going to make our American League picks. Yep. And we're going to tell you why Gary Sanchez sucks. <laughs> Stick around. Okay, we're back. And we're going to give you our AL picks now. And Jake's going to lead the way because the AL is his, his shindig. So uh, we're going to start at uh, first base. Uh, from looking at I think we probably fall pretty in line. Yep. Uh, first base is kind of a weak position in in, in the AL, and it kind of has been yeah. since Miguel Cabrera <laughs> Honestly, got older. we're kind of looking at a hole at that position right now. But having said that, I think Carlos Santana's had a really good year. And I would have to agree with you. I really like the way he's kind of rebounded, I want to say. Um, not that he's ever been bad. No. But I think it's been a good... Good job by him one to of the, bounce back. One of the things that you've always found with Santana, and this is one of the things that I've always appreciated about him, is that he's going to find a way to get on base regardless of how he's actually batting. Absolutely. He's always going to have productive at-bats. He's got an OBP over 400. He's batting 286 with a 406 OBP. And that's, I mean, that's great. His WRC plus is 144, which yeah. is better than any other first baseman in baseball. And 2.1 wins above replacement, he kind of leads the way. Yeah. But like we've said before, this is, I mean, really, ever since Miguel Cabrera has dealt with injury problems and got older, yeah. there's there's kind of been a, a, a hodgepodge of different who's having the best first half every year. Yeah. And insert guy here. So this year, it happens to be Santana, who's always been consistent in, yeah. in, in his at-bats and plays a fine first base, but he doesn't stand out. Right. I yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a weak field. Um, a couple of the guys that considered Encarnacion, of course, uh, up in Seattle, getting it done with some power. Always been a good player. Um, and then I wanted, for the Orioles fans out there, I wanted to pick Trey Mancini. I really did. I wanted to pick him. And I almost did. But it's Santana. It's hard to disagree with you. I. It, and let me just say this. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, it's not Luke Voigt. So stop it. I don't care if you're a Yankees fan or you're a Luke Voigt fan. Stop it. He's not an all-star. Nick has to take blood pressure medication around this year, time of year every year because there are fans out there yeah. that dedicate their entire summers to yeah. voting for their team's players regardless of how they yeah. play. Stop that. Just knock it off. Enough of that. Please stop. <laughs> so with that out of the way, we're going to move on to second base. Um, Nick, who did you have at second base this year? Let me tell you. This is a fun pick. This is a fun pick, and one I didn't know I was going to make until I really sat down. Um, I think before I tell you my pick, I wanted to say one guy that has been good that isn't my pick is DJ LeMahieu. And um, listen, I don't like the Yankees. Breaking news. I don't like them. (laughs) But he's been good, and he's carried them through some injuries, so he deserves consideration. But my guy. Tommy LaStella. Funny what happens, Joe, when you play him every day. Yeah, it turns out he's good. It used to be that I would turn on Angel Games yeah. to watch Mike Trout. Not anymore. Guess what I turn Angel Games on to do now? Tommy. It's the Tommy LaStella show. The real Tommy. Terrific. I hope there's a scenario in the world where Tommy LaStella bumps into Trout in the dugout and Trout gets out of his way and yeah. goes, sorry, Mr. LaStella. I'm sorry. Because that's what it should be. You are the good one. Tommy, you should have the confidence right now to <laughs> to look Mike Trout in the eyes and yeah. tell him watch where you're going. You you're having a great year, Tommy. Don't don't shortchange yourself. Tommy, you've got 15 home runs, right? 39 RBIs. You're a bright spot for the Angels in their lineup. You're batting 300. 
you know, and, you know the OPP, I'd like to see you get on base a little bit more. Sure. But listen, 141. Yeah, that's R- great. WRC plus. Great. That that's that's better than AL second baseman in the AL. Absolutely. So Tommy, we just want to say it's stats on deck. We see what you're doing, but yeah. big guy. This might be the best year he ever has. But if he's able to somehow come close to this over the next few years, the Angels really do have another bat in that lineup with Mike Trout. I hope Joe turns on Angels games and yeah. just watches this every night. Well, yeah. And cries. Oh, you cries. remember when he was on your team now and you didn't play him. And you didn't play him. And now don't you look like a fool. Now once he's again, an all-star. Once again, thinking yourself out of one, Joe. Yeah. Oh, way to overthink that one. Um, Another guy who deserves consideration, Brandon Lowe of the race. Um... Really right there with Tommy in almost every category. So um, one thing you don't like to see, though, and uh, this makes me want to throw up, 33.5 strikeout percentage. Brandon, make contact. Brandon, why? Brandon, you don't... Why? Launch angle doesn't work for everybody. No, it just... Take a walk. Just <laughs> maybe see a pitch. Now, actually, <coughs> you actually are walking about as much as every other second baseman. Stop striking out. Make contact. Yeah. Move a runner. Move a runner. Go the other way. Anyway. <laughs> that was that was definitely the the determining factor, though, for Tommy. Um, what is it? Tw- 15% less? or No, 25% less strikeout percentage for Tommy. Right. Good for you. Good for you, Good Tommy. job by you, buddy. Good job <laughs> by you. So we're going to move over to third base now. Yeah. This was... Yeah. Nick, who did you go? You go with? first. No, I can't. You I can't because I have a I have a whole soapbox. I didn't want to pick this guy. Yep. It's no secret he's not one of my favorite guys. Um I had to pick Alex Bregman. Why'd you do that, Nick? Because nobody else is really that close to him. Really? Yeah. In in what ways? I mean he's three point one wins above replacement, sure. Point eight higher than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um the home runs, 18 home runs. He doesn't strike out much. 153 WRC plus is great. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I really wanted to pick somebody else, but for me, I couldn't go against the numbers. Well, it's okay, Nick, because I did. <laughs> Bill Simmons, Podfather, yeah. I hope you're listening to this because I'm about to do my best impression of you. There is a third baseman yeah. who plays... In the American League East. Yes. You might not know his name. Yes. He's the last left-handed hitter to take Geraldus Chapman deep. Right. And his name is Rafael Devers. Hell yeah. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Jake, you're a Red Sox fan. Like, way to really branch out. Right. I have branched out. Yeah. I've branched out this whole this whole podcast. True. Here's what I'm not doing. I'm not going to sit here and say that the kid that's batting 300, mm-hmm. right, at, at 13 years old. Yeah. Okay. He's not even in puberty yet. No, not even in puberty yet. Has 43 RBIs on a team who has struggled at the top of their lineup and yeah. has been a bright spot. Is playing quality third base this year. Has yeah. fixed some of his defensive issues and deserves to be an all-star. True. Rafael Devers, 1.9 wins above replacement. This is one of the few times I'm going to say out loud, Fangraphs, what are you doing? Yeah, Fangraphs not really liking what Rafael's bringing to the table. Having said that... Um, I found it interesting that I think when I opened this list, I expected his defense to be the worst, and not it's bad. not. Not bad. It's not that bad. He's actually um, he's actually gotten better as we hoped, and um, he he is one of those guys where the easy plays are the hard plays, sure, and the hard plays are the easy plays. Having said that, he has made linear growth defensively. 
there has been a steady progression every year that he has played. Yeah. And he has performed at the highest level. And I'm I'm going to continue to be on this hill with Nick and yeah. and a couple other people that you know watch Red Sox games and see him. He is going to be yeah. the best third baseman in baseball for years to come. Right. I'm talking MVP candidate. I'm talking 40 home runs a year. I'm talking 320 batting averages. Absolutely. And when you come back to this podcast five years from now and you go, wow, Jake may have had a point here. Right. We're not going to be talking about Alex Bregman playing on the Kansas City Royals when he <laughs> got a $500 million contract and was chasing money. By the way, pre-congratulations to him for that one. I, I really hope you enjoy batting leadoff for the Kansas City Royals in 2028. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I, I respect the Devers pick, though, because I think that's one case where your eyes tell you more than the numbers do. And I know you can speak on it having watched the Red Sox this year. He has been an all-star caliber player. The whole year. The whole year. So I respect that pick. Um, yeah, I had to go with Bregman. Did not feel great about it. Well, the good news is we're about to move on to shortstop, and I think we've came to a consensus this on this one. And this one is pretty easy for good. us. And guess what? I want to say this before we really dive into shortstop. Um, it's a pretty good field this year. It is. It is. It's not weak like it has been in years no, past. No, I mean, for, for the love of all that is holy in this world, Francisco Lindor is the fifth best American League shortstop, according to Wins of a Replacement. What other year are you going to find that? <laughs> what other year? Francisco Lindor. <laughs> for, like, and granted, he's played less games. He did He did deal with some injuries. Started so out the year hurt. Started, started out hurt. He hasn't quite um, played the same number of games. Having said that, um, who would you pick? Just tell me. I went with Xander Bogarts. Yeah. And yeah. it's finally time to recognize one of the most consistently good players in the American League. Can I tell you what a treat it is to have somebody walk up to the plate every time and I go, wow, there's a 300-plus hitter yep. right, that is going to hit to all fields. Yep. He's going to move runners over. He can hit for power. Yep. And he puts up quality bat every time. And he plays really, really good defense. Right. He really does. And the thing I noticed here, not a lot of power from the shortstop position compared to years past. Sure. Having said that, the only guy on the list that is at Xander Bogarts, the 13 home runs, is Glaber Torres. Yep. And uh, I, I just think when you think of Xander Bogarts, if I said he's the guy who's basically leading American League shortstops and home runs, you don't really expect that. No. So I want to give him credit there for really – he was a good player. Then he became a very good player. And I think finally he's become a great player. I, I I've watched I mean I've watched every game this yeah. year with Xander and it's it's the same thing every single yeah. night. There it's good at bats, it's it's hitting to all fields, it's playing good defense, and this is finally a year where he's going to be recognized for all, right. for being a consistent perennial top shortstop in the American yeah, League. This is definitely it. his year. So this is this is a this is a come this is a reckoning moment. Yeah. The other guy I had uh in contention here is Polanco, right? Uh I had I don't want to disrespect Polanco. I have Marcus Semien of the Athletics. Oh, we love Marcus. Um, Marcus, he's right there. So is Polanco. Mm-hmm. The top three guys in the American League is pretty clear. All three of those guys have had all-star caliber years. I, I just personally like Marcus Semien. Mm-hmm. That was my uh, difference maker there. But, yeah, Xander Bogart's absolutely, arguably the best shortstop in baseball so far this year. No question. Arguably. No so, question. Yeah, I think uh, that's about as consensus as you're going to get. Right. There's no other way to put it. 
So Nick, who did you uh, big big shocker here? Yeah. Uh, who do you have playing center field for you in in the twenty nineteen All Star game? Well, this was a tough one because there's not a standout center fielder in the American League. I mean, um, of course, you want to give credit to guys like Kevin Kiermeyer, mm. oh, Jackie, yeah. Jackie Bradley Jr. Sure, one ninety five um, average. One, That'll work. Right. Um, you you don't want to disrespect them. Mm-hmm. Um, hey man. There's nobody else you can pick. It's got to be George. I'm sorry, Mike Trout. <laughs> oh, is it Mike Trout? <laughs> it's Mike Trout. Man, making his first All Star. I mean, ninth. I mean, is he a Hall of Famer yet? <laughs> um. Well, yeah, he is. Uh, just for comparison, Mike Trout four and a half wins above replacement. God. Say that again. Four and a half wins above replacement. One more time. Four and a half wins above replacement. We've played twelve baseball over, games this year over the course of the season. <laughs> If he if those numbers bared out over a full season and he played one sixty two, we'd be looking at another eleven and a half, twelve ish win season, which is unbelievable, by the way. Ten ten is amazing. <laughs> eleven twelve he's is Barry halfway Bond, there. Is Barry Bonds like he's halfway to ten already, right? He's played sixty four games. Unbelievable. Mike Trout. Once again, best player in baseball. So as if it was ever in question. Yeah, so I'm glad you said that. I had Jackie Bradley. G- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and Mike Trout. So, um, moving into right field, I also think we were probably on par with each other here. He's had an amazing half, first half of the year. Yeah. Um, he had he did just recently get hurt. But right. he's he's had really one of those George Springer, like, postseason yeah. appearances. But it's been in the first half of the year. Yeah, absolutely. So, he's carried that team up right until he got hurt. So, we, I think we both went with George Springer. I mean, yeah. it, there's not much to say. I mean, he led the – Led the league in home runs for the um, up until he got hurt. He's hitting to all fields. He's I mean he was a perennial all star. Yeah, I mean just absolutely. consistently. It's the type of play that we see from him in the big moments, but it's been through this course of the entire year. Kind of what we've seen in the past is George Springer gets kind of hot and cold. Yeah, he has a good half, maybe not a good second half, or yeah. vice versa. But this first half has been phenomenal. Yeah, and credit to him because uh, outfield in the American League is usually pretty stacked. Mm-hmm. He's definitely risen up. Another guy who has my left field pick. I can't believe I'm picking this guy, Joey Gallo. Oh boy, Joey, Joey Gallo! You would apologize. Joey, we want to apologize. We do <laughs> because as it. much smack that we've talked over the course of your career, you have put it together, young man. So congratulations to you. Um, the reason I picked him in left field, he's actually split time. I think when I was looking at it, he had played. One more game at left field than any other position, so that's why I went with him. No disrespect to Tommy Pham or Michael Brantley, who's also having another mm-hmm. Michael Brantley-esque year. Uh, it's Joey Gallo, and it's crazy that it is. Uh, no, I, I, I love Joey Gallo. I went in a little bit different direction. Um, I'm going to say this, and then I'm probably going to run to the other side of the room so Nick doesn't hurl his computer <laughs> at me. Um, I went with Trey Mancini. All right. In the outfield. You That's may have, fine. You might recall at the beginning of this podcast when Nick said <laughs> anybody that would put Trey Mancini on an all-star game would be a fool. <laughs> I'm a fool, and I'll take it. I wanted to put Trey him on the Man- team, to be fair. Trey Mancini is in the worst possible situation oh, yeah. you could no be There's no question about it. He plays 19 different positions. They've even asked him to pitch this well, year. Are you sure you don't want to pick Dwight Smith Jr. from the Orioles? No, I don't. Instead, I don't. Point, point one wins both of No, I want to pick Trey Mancini because he is the only yeah. flitter, flicker of light in that organization true. right now. That's true. And he has had a good year this year. And he does – listen – 
One guy has to make it from every team. True. I, I accept that. But this kid has had a really good year. Yeah, he has. And for me, Trey Mancini, yeah. you deserve to be an all-star. And I have you in the outfield. The reason I have you in the outfield, though, is because there are people like Mookie Betts that have decided not to play baseball right. through the first 60-something right. yeah, games that, of the season. That is interesting that kind of unfortunate that Mookie's not on either of our lists and I think that that just speaks to expectations and it does we're hoping for a strong second half from Mookie uh but as it stands right now I don't think we can in good conscience call him an all-star this this well he will make it right out of reputation true but the idea that Mookie Betts has performed this year as he has and in a clear regression from previous years right has not just to me as a Red Sox fan, it's not good for baseball. No, it's not. And I know that seems like a big thing to say. It really isn't. A perennial MVP talent like yeah. Mookie Betts, who people tune in to watch and see play baseball, have the year that he's had this year, has really been tough to watch. Yeah. And we hope for a better second half. True. But he's not. he should not have the right to start on the All-Star team this year. No, I agree with you completely. And it, it kills me to say that, but it's true. Um, Nick, going into the starting pitchers... Wait, wait, your... wait, we still got to do DH Oh, my fault. I apologize. Oh, I've jumped ahead too far. Let's um, let's get DH out of the way, because I think we have some good things about the catcher situation. We do. Um, for me, I went with Austin Meadows of the Rays. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I picked this was best remaining hitter that wasn't one of my starters. Austin Meadows having a great year. I, There's no other way to put it. I also went with Austin Meadows. Um... Nick, why why did well, you... No, actually, I was going to go with Miguel Cabrera, but he's actually not been worth any positive wins above replacement this year. No, that's that's been true. Oh. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. Did you have Meadows for DH? Yeah, I did. Okay, so I had J.D. Martinez for DH. Right. I know he's been hurt. It's not the numbers you're expecting from him, but, I mean, he has... Oh, they're he, still good numbers. He has an OPS over 900. He's yeah. 12 home run. He's batting well over 300. I mean, he's... It, it, the DH position in the AL isn't yeah. crazy, but if it's going to be a guy for me, it's going to be J.D. Martinez. I mean, it's one of the best batters in, in baseball. No, I can't disagree with that. So who did you have a catcher, Nick? Now, this is interesting, and um, you would almost think, without looking at it, you'd almost say there's a clear choice. I know there's a catcher out there that's hit 20 home runs already. Yep. 20 home runs already. In a children's stadium. And you'd say, gee, I'd be an idiot not to pick him. Well, guess what? I am an idiot. <laughs> I'm a fool. I'm an idiot, and I'm not picking him. I'm sorry, Gary Sanchez. You can't play catcher. You are not a good catcher. You don't play your position. And right now, there are a lot of guys who are in contention here. I mean, just looking down the list, Mitch Garver, James McCann, Jason Castro, Robinson Chirinos, Christian Vasquez, Roberto Perez, Omar Narvaez, I'm sorry I butchered your name, even Pedro Severino. But do you know what those guys do? They actually pay, they actually Besides play Chirinos, their, yeah. They actually play their position. Exactly. They block baseballs. They're competent behind home plate. They can You call can trust game. them. You can trust them. Gary. No, I'm sorry. This is actually a really interesting thing. Nobody has, and you'd think with 20 home runs he would have distanced himself, but he hasn't. There are 10, excuse me, I, I left off Tom Murphy. There are 10 catchers in Major League Baseball in the American League this year that have been worth better than one win above replacement. This is actually pretty great because in years past, we've had nothing at the catcher position. Nothing. There are 10 guys who have been very positive uh 
guys for their team this year. Now, having said all this, I went with Mitch Garver. And Mitch Garver, I'm going to say this once and I'm going to say it again, 184 WRC+. plus. That's right, folks, 184 with only 10 home runs in only 32 games. Mitch Garver has been a revelation as a catcher. He's one of the reasons that they're in first place right, right now, and the Twins have had the yeah, season. I, that I feel had. like, and you know, to Twins fans, I apologize. I might have shortchanged your team a little bit. Not in this case. I Mitch mean, Garver is on the team, and he's my starter. Yeah, Mitch Garver deserves to be the starting catcher. You won't see him in Cleveland because of the dumb voting that we have, right. and because people don't like to look past right. the home runs and the fact that he's wearing a Yankee uniform. Right. I'm telling you this right now, Mitch Garver. When you are shocked and you see in the Central. That the Twins are in first place. Yeah. There's a reason There's why. One of, one of those reasons is Mitch Garver. There's, I couldn't agree with you and more. And, man, I want to reiterate this. In 32 games compared to Sanchez's 48, almost, uh, almost Gary Sanchez has almost had twice the amount of plate appearances. Imagine what Mitch Garver would have done in, in that time. He would be way ahead of Gary. No if, offense. If you have a minute, just go look at Mitch Garver's fan graphs page. It's, just, it's just pretty go beautiful. Take a trip. Pretty beautiful. It's it's an the amazing. The strikeout percentage isn't, but most overall, it's pretty beautiful. The, Gary, you take up way too much time in Nick and I's brain and yeah. the Stats on Deck podcast. But here's the reality of the situation: if you were a DH, yeah, you would not hear this from us. True, you wouldn't hear this. If from you us. if you DH'd full time, we'd sing praises all day because you deserve to be an all star as a DH. If Absolutely. you just came up to the plate four times and and hit. You wouldn't hear anything from Absolutely. Him. But the fact that you have time and time again, you're not a young guy. True. Right? You've played professional baseball for the last for the last four years, full seasons. You have to be better than what you were when you came in. You don't have to be much better. Right. You have to show some progression and show some pride in the other end I mean, of the game. It would be one thing if we're talking about right now you're a bad defender, but two years ago you were you know historically bad. At least there would be improvement. But there's not been improvement. It's been the same old story from Gary defensively, where the bat has grown, the defense has not. Gary, when it's a surprise that you block, that you drop down to correctly block a baseball yeah. in the third inning with no with with a runner on second base, it should not be an, a gasping Sports Center highlight. Right. It that's it's just make a play. Just make a play. Yeah. Take some pride in it. You're a great hitter. If you were a DH, like we said, we wouldn't hear a word. But the reality is, is you have to go out and catch. Right. And honestly, take some pride in the defense of your game. Yadier Molina did not become a Hall of Fame catcher because he could hit. He did it because he called good games and he blocked every ball. And he handled that pitching staff. Oh, and the same Gary. goes for Buster Posey and many other catchers in history. No question. So, Gary, no offense, you're not an all-star. You're an all-star bat. You're not an all-star. I agree. So going off that, Nick. Yeah. Time to go to the pitchers. This is a fun one. Where did you? What does your American League starting five uh, pitching rotation look like? All right, I'm going to do this in no particular order. Sure. Charlie Morton of the Rays. Okay. Jake Odorizzi of the Twins. Chris Sale of the Red Sox. Justin Verlander of the Astros and Lucas Giolito of the Chicago White Sox. Now you have a little bit of knowledge on Lucas Giolito. Yeah. Um, Lucas Giolito, former Nationals prospect. A few years back, I actually went and saw him in Potomac when he was in A-ball. Uh, I watched him pitch. He pitched a seven-scoreless inning with ten strikeout game. It was one of the best minor league games I've ever been to because you could tell he was a major league player 
talent playing, playing against children, basically, <laughs> and getting those swings and misses. I mean, you could see why he was at one time the number one prospect in baseball, or at least pitching-wise. Slow start to his career in the majors. Uh, he came up with the Nationals, didn't have a lot of success, went over to the White Sox, has shown some flashes, but finally this year it started to figure out for him. He's 9-1 and one on the season. He's striking out 11 guys per nine innings. He's cutting down on the walks, the home runs given up, and the ERA of 2.28, I really like to see that. And I also like to see leading the American League pitchers and wins above replacement. It, Lucas Giolito has come into his own, and he's finally living up to the hype that yeah. was given to him as the number one prospect in baseball, number right. one pitching prospect in baseball. And it's great to see. The only difference I have on my list, and this is a little bit out of left field, um, the guy that I put in as my other as my fifth pitcher would be David Price, and I have legitimate reasoning for this. David Price, since the All Star break, since the All Star break last year, has had a two point three ERA. He has come into games and consistently pitched into seven-plus innings right. with good strikeouts. Obviously, everybody knows what he did in the playoffs last year. But David Price has been the one consistent, true best pitcher on the Red Sox starting rotation staff in terms of health, and in terms of pitching, quality innings, and has been the anchor for this team. And In my opinion, he does not get enough praise right. for the looks that he has. He deserves to be an all-star this year, and he through this middling Red Sox rotation, has been a beacon of light. No, I agree with you. And one thing I've liked from David Price, um, this is, I guess, kind of a tangent, but with David Price, as the velocity has gone down over his career, I mean, we remember when he could throw 98 and he struck out every guy in sight. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like seeing from David Price this year that, Ten, almost ten and a half guys per nine innings striking them out. He's figuring out ways as he gets older to mold his game and change it to where he can still be an effective pitcher. I mean, out in watching him, going from like you said, being able to just be a power fastball, strike him out pitcher, he has taken his cutter and his two seam, the movement that he puts on his pitches with his changeup, when he is on, he is devastating. Yeah. And his ability to paint corners and to be able to pitch with you know low to mid 90 stuff 92 to 94 and right. dominate lineups is something that shouldn't go unnoticed. Absolutely. Being able to make the transition and it's not easy to you know getting older and losing velocity after fastball that ends careers for pitchers short. Sure. And absolutely. The ability to be able to change yourself as a pitcher and to be able to mold yourself to focus more on location and changing speeds and making 93 look like 98 because yeah. your changeup is so good. That, those are the type of things that I think put you, you know, head and shoulders above other guys. And he's a guy that not many people talk about but deserves to be an all-star. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I, I, um, I know the numbers bear out that Chris Sale has been the best starter for the Red Sox. And, I mean, there are explanations for that. I mean, he's had very little run support. He had a very tough start to the year. Um, that, and he's pitched well since then. And the ERA is almost a half run higher than his FIP. Sort of the same thing we were talking about with Max Scherzer. But I definitely agree with you that while Chris Sale should be the better than his numbers have been, David Price has carried that rotation at times. I mean, you're talking about 1.7 wins above replacement. Yeah. In you know with a four and two record, I mean, no, he's he, absolutely in contention. He hasn't. He 
he went through a little bit of an injury lull, missed a couple of starts, and he still almost put up close to two wins above replacement with a whole second half to go. I mean, this is statistically right, yeah. going to be the best year that he's had with the Red Sox since he signed in a, in the later year of his career, and yeah. he deserves recognition for it. No, this is pretty impressive what he's been able to do. So moving on from that, what what did you have for your top relievers for the AL team this year? I went pretty simple with my relievers. Um, there were three guys I felt like that stood out to me, and those three guys were, and yeah, big surprise, they're three of the top four on Fangraphs. Brad Hand of the Indians, mm-hmm. Ken Giles of the Blue Jays, and Araldis Chapman of the Yankees. Um, so basically... The the reason I left Jalen Beeks out from the race, not to disrespect him, because uh, they've leaned on him a lot. Uh, his XFIP is four point forty, so he's kind of pitching into good luck, and so I I took that into account. So I picked Brad Hand as my guy. ERA under one, striking out thirteen guys per nine innings, doesn't give up home runs, leaves everybody on base. I mean, the guy's been amazing. It's kind of what you want in a reliever, right? He's kind of been the perfect reliever. <laughs> Does his job. So I went with Hand and Chapman as well. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's clear cut. I mean, those are guys that you want coming into games. The one guy that I went with that I feel like doesn't get a lot of looks because of the bullpen that he's been in, the amount of arms that they use, is I'm a big Ryan Presley guy yeah. for the Houston Astros. The guy has devastating fastball slider uh, um, mix-up. He has... Every time he comes into the game, you know that he's, regardless of the situations you throw him into, he's kind of like that utility, doesn't matter what inning it is, doesn't right. matter who's on base, how many outs you have, the guy just gets people out. Absolutely. He has I mean, strikeouts, he has power fastball, upper 90s stuff, and then the slider is his out pitch. But Ryan Presley, I think, deserves some recognition because he's been one of the guys for Houston in the runs that they've had in the playoffs and the success that they've had in the regular season that's been consistent and gets overlooked because he's not closing games. Absolutely. I mean, he's been better than his teammate Roberto Asuna. Yes. I think I butchered that name. But, uh, yeah, Ryan Presley's been better than him straight up. So, yeah, he definitely deserves some, some consideration to make this team. So that's looking like our AL team. I have to. I think I'm biased here for one of the first times in a while. I think I like the NL team a lot better than I like the AL team. Yeah, I mean, looking at looking at it, there are some, some, some guys who you expect to be all stars just haven't been all stars this year, and so it makes the teams look kind of weird. Having said that, I feel like, I think I might give an advantage to the American League's batting order. But I think the National League starting rotation is way better. The The thing that you always find, especially in these All-Star games when it comes down to the actual games, is because of not wanting to use guys' arms, you know, not wanting to tire anybody out, they're starting the next week. You, right. know, you know, getting back to the actual regular season where the games start to matter. You you kind of just have to see who comes up with big hits. Yeah. And, and you know, run, and scores runs and things like that. But... The the NL team for me is just a better looking baseball team. They True. they have more sound players. They have guys that aren't exactly more surprises, and it's not necessarily a bad thing that there are guys that have made the team or having surging years. It's just when you're looking at a team this year that's consisting of Yelich, Bellinger, Arenado, uh, Rendon. I mean, that's just that's just a killer row. Yeah, JT Realmuto. I mean, on your list, I mean. These these are just these are guys you don't want to face. It no, doesn't matter if it's, it's a it's a really good lineup. 
There's so, no question about it. Yeah, so that's that's kind of who I who I've gone with. I would I would probably lean NL. You're leaning AL, but it's gonna yeah. be a fun game. Well, I, I think this could be as close a game as we've seen in recent years. I think there is so many deserving players that are going to make it that it's gonna be a good game. I just hope that. With the new format where they've kind of taken a little less power out of the fan vote, we're going to see some guys that are really deserving to make I hope the so. team. I hope so. And not just guys because of the jersey that they wear or the name recognition. Exactly. So, yeah. The, so, thank you for listening to our American League picks. Uh, stick around. Alright, this is just going to be a solo segment. This is Nick um, driving back home after watching the Toronto Raptors taking down the Golden State Warriors in six games. Um, We saw Clay go down with an injury in the latter half of that game. Obviously, no Kevin Durant. Uh, Once again, we want to send our best wishes to him as he begins that recovery from the Achilles. Uh, best of luck to you, Kevin. I know we haven't always been your biggest fan, but um, I mean, honestly, that is just such a horrifying injury. And um, I think um, no matter how you slice it, Kevin Durant is just so good for the NBA as a whole. And honestly, really hope his recovery goes smoothly, it goes quickly, and hopefully um, we're looking like uh, a season without Kevin, and then uh, the season right after that, hopefully he's right back into shape, gets ready to play wherever that may be, and uh, hopefully he regains that that power pretty quick. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was consensus top three player in the NBA going down with an injury. So, um, yeah, just best of luck to you, Kevin. Um Congratulations to the Toronto Raptors, their first ever NBA champion championship. Excuse me. Um, it's crazy to say the first ever uh, Canadian basketball team to win the NBA championship. They're also the current only Canadian team in the NBA, but this is their first one. And uh, just for Toronto as a whole, I know how much that means. Winning one of the four major sports, I know it's been. A while for Toronto. Um, this is good for Canada. This is good for the NBA. And uh, one thing I was talking about with Jake earlier off the pod was um, we sat basically watching the NBA last year and then into the summer. And we were just, you know, as, as a lot of us do, we just sort of sit there and go, well, you know, the NBA is pretty great, but we know who's going to win the championship in 2019 it's going to be the Warriors and uh that's not the case and uh pretty amazing that that's not the case because uh we're talking about a team that started Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant and Boogie Cousins with Andre Iguodala, Kevon Looney, Sean Livingston, guys like that coming off the bench, Steve Kerr three-time champion as a coach just an unbelievable group of guys they have for them to not win this year is pretty unbelievable and uh yeah injuries are a part of it there's no sidestepping that because 
yeah, Kevin Durant went down in in the Western Conference semifinals, and then again in the finals. He he was only able to play about one quarter of that whole final series, not not one quarter like a fourth of the the six games. One quarter, just twelve minutes, um, and then just building off of that. Yeah, Clay Thompson missed Game Three, and then missed the the latter part of, of that Game Six. Um, Kevon Looney playing through what we think is a broken collarbone. DeMarcus Cousins went down early in the playoffs. He was able to play in the finals, but obviously not at 100% health-wise. But I I don't want to spend too much time talking about injuries because injuries are part of the game. And this is something that I think a lot of us know, just looking back as recently as 2015, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers lost Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love uh, down to injury in the in those playoffs, and it was uh, LeBron and Timofey Mozgov and Matthew Dellavedova. Probably said that name wrong. Uh, that was the team that LeBron was running with. So, uh, yeah, completely different situations. Don't want to shortchange the Warriors by any means. Yeah, your team had horrible, horrible injury luck. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Having said that, Toronto, what an absolutely incredible run. Incredible! I really can't say this enough to talk about building a team, basically rebuilding them from the ground up in one year, going out and getting Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green for DeMar DeRozan, uh, the development of Pascal Siakam, Freddie Van Vliet, uh, mid-season trade, getting rid of Jonas Valanciunas for Mark Gasol, uh, really Kyle Lowry, the only guy who who is part of that original Raptors core that was at the top of the East for a few years there going at, going against LeBron. Uh, just an unbelievable job by Masai Ujiri. Um, probably said that name wrong as well. The, the president of basketball operations for the Raptors. Um, I really respect the job that he did building that team and taking such risks. I mean, going out and getting Kawhi Leonard, who, who basically said, I don't want to... I don't necessarily want to be on the Raptors. He didn't. He didn't say it like that, of course. But that was not one of the teams that he wanted to be traded to. And and uh, looking at that, you're also looking at Mark Gasol, who was a member of the Memphis Grizzlies for so long, and you know splitting splitting him up from Mike Conley and sending him over to Toronto mid-season. Uh, Serge Ibaka, another guy I forgot to mention earlier. Um, Serge Ibaka, NBA champion, he played great tonight. He was great in the finals. Uh, even going back to that semifinals round against Philly, one of the only guys besides Kawhi that showed up in that Game 7. Uh, his his leadership, his experience, throwing his body around, going for crazy rebounds, layups. His nice little hook shot, he can only do it from about 6 or 7 feet away from the hoop, but every single time he'd, he'd throw it up, it would go in. And that just speaks to the, the veteran leadership that he brought to that team. Um, I want to mention Pascal Siakam again. Little up and down playoffs for him. He had some shining moments and some some duds that we're probably all going to forget because I mean he put up twenty six and ten tonight, which ex- which is exactly what they needed because Kawhi did not shoot great tonight. His shooting percentage went down as the series went on. I think we all know he's dealing with a leg injury that he's playing through. Uh, Kawhi was able to gut it out and put up over 20 points to get the finals MVP. Um, Really impressive job by Kawhi. 
Only the third player ever to win finals MVP for two separate teams. That was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the Bucks and Lakers and LeBron James for the Miami Heat and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Kawhi, of course, was the finals MVP in 2014 for the Spurs. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about, very, very different Kawhi this year compared to that year. Kawhi was playing just uh, just about 30-ish minutes a game in those, in those playoffs. He wasn't putting up the same kind of scoring numbers. Uh, the reason he won that Finals MVP was because that was a team team victory more more than most championships, and Kawhi did the job of locking down LeBron, which is not an easy task. I challenge you to find five or six guys that could do as good a job as Kawhi did in that run. Uh, this time, Kawhi more so as a number one option, distancing himself between uh, him and the rest of the league. I mean, I think Kawhi really established himself as a top three player in the NBA with this run, going to a brand new team and winning a ring in his first year. That is not easy to do. I mean, for the love of God, LeBron was never even able to do that. He won in his second year in both uh, Miami and then the second time around in Cleveland. Uh, it, it is not easy to get a championship that quick after going to a new spot as the number one guy. Congratulations to Kawhi. Uh, not sure where he's going to be playing basketball next year. That's been a topic of discussion all year, but uh, you'd, you'd have to think this championship, one way or another, is going to help make his decision. I mean, you can see it from both points of view. On the one hand, Kawhi did what he said he was he wanted to do. He wanted to win a championship in Toronto, and then you could see him going his own way, whether that's to New York, uh, Los Angeles, one of those teams. Um or you could see him, you know, deciding that he buys into what uh, Masai has got going on there in Toronto. And uh, he's got, you know, good rapport with his teammates, Kyle Lowry, Marc Gasol, Serge, Pascal, all those guys. You could see him buying in and going, let's, let's go for this for another year. I know there was a report coming out just a few days ago that uh, Kawhi is considering the idea of signing a one-in-one deal to stay in Toronto one more year and then potentially get going after next year. Um, Personally, I think uh, one thing that should weigh on his decision is Durant's injury. Uh, We've seen some of the top guys doing this one-in-one deal, notably LeBron and Durant. Now, LeBron, uh, you know, takes care of his body as well as anybody. Kevin Durant, kind of just a horrible, horrible luck injury, but yeah, I don't think it, it costs when you're really one of those three or four best guys in the league. I think any team will throw the max at you no matter what. Having said that, Kawhi, go secure the bag, as they say on One Shining Podcast. Get your money, get your max contract wherever you want to play. Go do it, whether that's Toronto, the Clippers, the Lakers, whoever. I mean, geez, even if you want to come to the Wizards and make me happy, of course that's not going to happen. But, uh, yeah, Kawhi... Secure the money. Don't worry about the one-in-one deal. Um, not a huge fan personally of the one-in-ones. I'm more of a traditional guy. I like when guys stay on the same team for their careers. Not every guy, of course, but when you have one of those star players, I really like to see them uh, usually wear one jersey for their careers. I mean, I'm thinking of in the NBA guys like Kobe Bryant, um, guys like... Um, Dirk Nowitzki, Tim Duncan, to name a few. I mean, we're talking about some of the all-time greats in the game, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, I know player movement, player empowerment. I'm not against that. I'm not. I really do uh, think that it's good for the league that these guys are taking their futures into their own hands. And I think that's great. And I like the fact that in the NBA, um, 
guys go out and do what's best for them. I just think sometimes guys are a little bit too quick to switch teams and try to see the bright lights in a place like, uh, for example, Los Angeles. I mean, I, we, we see it across all of sports. You know, Mike Trout is in Los Angeles, uh, and he's not really one of the he, – he's, he's the best game MLB's best player, but he, he's not the most marketed player. Uh, you see guys like Aaron Rodgers in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Tom Brady in New England, Peyton Manning in Indianapolis all these years. These are not the number one or number two media markets in the sport, but these guys still get publicity. I think in the NBA there's this infatuation with going to one of those big cities. And uh, I, I just think if you're a good enough player, the publicity, the media, the sponsorships, that'll find you. I mean, you look at LeBron in Cleveland where he spent, I believe, 11 years of his career. He, he was the most famous basketball player maybe of all time. So I think the results you uh, with you on the court are more important than where you are uh, location-wise. Having said that, um, now that the NBA season is officially over with Toronto winning the championship, we are going to see some player movement. Now, there are a lot of free agents. Uh, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson... Uh, to name a few others, Chris Middleton, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, DeMarcus Cousins, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, and that's not even to mention Anthony Davis, who reportedly is potentially going to the Lakers. Now, that's not a that's not confirmed yet, but we've seen some posturing lately from Adrian, Adrian Wojnarowski, and I know I said that name wrong. Uh, we've seen some posturing from him lately that the Lakers are the the team to beat right now for to get Anthony Davis. Uh, one, one thought I have about that: don't count LeBron out because we're talking about, if not the greatest player of all time, certainly one of the two or three best of all time. This guy played through a groin injury, which was not easy. He was still putting up numbers. His defense has declined a little bit, sure, but we're talking about a guy who's coming off. This is his first season in the last nine years that he didn't make to the NBA, make it to the NBA Finals. Uh, this guy is just a, an absolute winner. And if he gets some help on that team, whether that's Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, if you pair him with another star or two, he is going to be in contention. And that that's sort of the closing thought I want to leave on the NBA. I want to, you know, just cover all the points I wanted to you know, give my best wishes to Kevin Durant and from Jake as well. Uh, we hope you recover, buddy. Uh, long road ahead, but we can't wait to see you back on the court. Uh, we want to congratulate the Raptors for winning their first championship. Kawhi Leonard with his second finals MVP, like I mentioned, uh, puts him in some rarefied air. And then um, closing thought here, I just wanted to say um, – one thing I think that's going to be really fun about the 2019-2020 NBA season is the league is as wide open as it's been since maybe before LeBron went to the Heat. Now think about that for a second. We're going we're going all the way back to that 2008, 9 and 10 range where we had absolutely no idea who was coming out of each conference next year and whether or not Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson re-sign in Golden State, they are no longer the presumptive favorites to win the West. They're just not. The Rockets are good. 
Denver can only get better. Portland showed that they're right there. There are a couple other teams on the fringe, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and that's not even to mention teams like the Lakers and the Clippers who could be major players in free agency. And then in the Eastern Conference, yeah, we had the top four teams, uh, the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and 76ers. I mean, we could see the Nets become a major player. We could see the Knicks potentially, maybe not with this Kevin Durant injury, but um, we're looking at potentially a very, very different NBA next year where we could sit there on game one and have no clue who is going to be in the finals. And I think that's really awesome because parity has been lacking in the NBA for a while now with the Warriors and their all-star team up. And uh, one way or another, that's pretty much coming to an end. So uh, I'm really excited for that. And I think you guys are all going to be excited for that too. I mean, the NBA is looking like it's headed towards one of its best seasons as far as unpredictability. And uh, we have no idea where some of these guys are going to sign in free agency. I think it has potential to be a really, really fun offseason and then a really fun uh, regular season next year. Unfortunately, without Kevin Durant, once again, give our best wishes to him on his recovery. And uh, stick around for a moment. We're going to wrap this thing up in just a second. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stats on Deck. We covered a lot of baseball stuff, why Rendon should be an all-star, why Gary Sanchez shouldn't be, and a couple other things. Uh, we also want to once again extend our best wishes to David Ortiz and his recovery. Big Poppy, we're all rooting for you, always. And we can't wait to see you get back out there and be the great man that you are. Um, by the time this goes up, we'll probably know the results of the NBA Finals. But having said that, Kawhi Leonard, you go and do your thing. Just do your thing, the board man that you yeah, are. Yeah, go get paid. Go get paid, Kawhi. I think he's getting paid pretty well. Though. He's going to be okay. <laughs> um, also, just want to just want to quickly point out, for the flack that Kevin Durant does get, Yeah. and some of it's fair, some of it's definitely unfair right. when you're in the spotlight like that. I understand it's challenging. I do want to say we hope Kevin Durant recovers from the Achilles Absolutely. injury that he's had. The game is better when Kevin Durant, regardless of the yeah. team that he's playing, is is actually playing basketball. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we we hope that this this is going to be one of the craziest NBA free agencies yep. that we've had. Yeah, we're going to see potentially a lot of the landscape of the NBA changing in the next couple months. And the thing that I look forward to is I think we're going to be looking at a very different NBA yeah. for the next couple years. And I'm really interested to see how that goes with different teams. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're looking at um, potentially the end of the Warriors dynasty. Not saying they're going to fall off, but I think the NBA over the next few years is going to open up, make it a lot more watchable, make it more interesting when you don't know who's going to be in the finals every year. So I think we're all really excited for that. Absolutely. So thank you for listening once again. I'm Nick Laporte. On Twitter, you can find me at Nick Laporte with a zero instead of an O. Jake, we can find you at... Um, uh, from State Farm with uh, fours instead of A's. Yeah, and also please follow us on Twitter at StatsOnDeckPod. That's P-O-D. Um, and if you like this episode, please leave a review. Share it with some friends, some family, Gary Sanchez, whoever you know. Please show Gary get, Sanchez. Get the, get, get the word out there. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Jake?
Boom, baby. Yo, small.